Hello, and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura. And we've got, I feel like it was a big sports news week, and a lot of it is ranting. (laughs) So while we have separate rants later, a lot of this episode is going to be sports rants. They're going to be maybe a little mild or a little like shorter compared to our, the whole episode is going to be Yeah. Um, so we're switching it up and talking about baseball first this week, um, cause a lot happened, even though it, um, it feels like very little happened, but in that little, it was a lot, if that makes any sense. Um, first the Dodgers won the world series, which would be happy if, um, there wasn't a COVID announcement literally two minutes after. So the Dodgers, which to be fair, Tampa essentially let the Dodgers win with their uh, pitching change of Blake's – was it Snell? Now I don't even remember who's yeah. pitching. None it's of Snell. it even matters anymore. Um, but Snell is pitching a shutout. He had a 1-0 lead at the point when he was taken out, and he only had like 75 pitches when he was taken out. Uh, but they just went ahead and was like, let's just pull him because – I think originally before the game, they were expecting him to only go five innings and that was going to be the limit. However, he was pitching so well that usually you would just be like, okay, he's pitching well, let's let him keep going. But I guess Kevin Cash was also like, it's only a one run game, but that all backfired on him. They basically galaxy brained the game away. Truly. And at the same time, it's kind of like, well, maybe that was for the best after the news at the end of the thing, because in the eighth inning, Justin Turner did not come out to play third base. He was replaced by whoever was playing third base. I don't remember his name. Sorry, dude, but he hadn't played third base in forever. And it was like, okay, wonder what's up with Justin Turner. Kind of weird that he plays seven innings and then be taken out of the game. He's been playing well, blah, blah, blah. You assume it's just a normal baseball related injury. He pulled something, something got tweaked, whatever. Then the Dodgers win, and literally minutes after they win, I think it was Jeff Passan that was the first to report it, Justin Turner tested positive for COVID. An immediate reaction was like, how the hell do you test positive in the middle of a game? Actually, not even the middle, towards the end of the game. He played seven full innings before, quote-unquote, testing positive. So apparently what happened was in the second inning of the game, he came, his test came back um, inconclusive. Which my first question is, what's the point of tests if you're going to play without even having the results? Like why bother testing the players if you're just going to play the game and you haven't even gotten everyone's results back? Like what's the point? Because in any other situation, like us normal people, you're supposed to get, if you think you have it, you get tested. And then between the time of testing and getting results, you're isolated. Because if you are positive, you shouldn't be going anywhere and possibly infecting people. So I don't really understand their method of let's test them, but we don't have the results back for the game in time. So let's just play anyway. That's just stupid. And then from what I'm understanding, they... Then, so the inconclusive was his test from the day before because they were doing every other day, but then they were still testing. It said they were testing every other day, but then it was like, so they decided to test um, his sample from that day. So I don't know if they were getting samples every day, but only testing them every other day. Nothing made sense to me. And I even looked before we started recording if there was any updates on this and there's nothing. So still a little confused about that. Um, But apparently whatever test they did in the seventh inning, he came back positive. So he was supposed to be swept away in isolation, take him out of the game, sweep him away to isolation, which would be the hotel, from my understanding, the hotel that's right next door to the ballpark. Well, then when the Dodgers won and then like five minutes later, he tweeted Essentially, thanks everyone for your kind wishes. I don't have any symptoms. I'm feeling fine. So glad they won or something along those lines. And then like three minutes after that, you had reporters tweeting, Justin Turner's on the field celebrating. 
And in my mind, I was like, oh, so the rest of the team's like already in the clubhouse. He's getting his time to celebrate on his own. That's kind of cool. At least he gets like his own little celebration. Not at all what happened. He's on the field. And there were reports that he has his mask on. There are masks. And I'm like, okay, half of them are wearing their masks. The other half have them pulled down. Some of them aren't covering their noses. Some of them just have the mask as a chin guard. So that's not really wearing a mask, but whatever. And it was weird because some of like the Dodgers beat reporters were, were like, so happy Justin Turner gets to celebrate. I'm like, are you kidding me? Because sure, it's happy, but he's infected a virus that's deadly and like what are we doing here and there was a party that's like well yeah he's already like interacted with everyone so they've already been exposed so whatever but at the same time I'm like at the time that Justin Turner came back on the field they had all the Dodgers families out there who hadn't been directly in contact with him it's okay it's the difference between smoking when you know like pre all of the studies when people didn't know it was bad and then it's like, well, why, why should people stop smoking now that we know it's bad? Because um, we know it's bad. <laughs> right. And like he, there was a picture of him, I, if I'm remembering correctly, where he did have the mask on. I think when he was talking to Kershaw or whatever, Kershaw didn't have his, not his mask on. Uh, he went and touched the trophy, which everyone else then also touches. In the team photo, there's a there's a video from them taking the team photo where he not only takes the mask and puts it under his chin, basically behind his beard so you can't see it. And I was like, well, that's one way of hiding the mask in the team picture, whatever. And then a second later just rips it off. So it's no longer effective because he's ripped the elastic. So it's not like he could even put it back on after the team picture. He's right next to their manager who is a cancer survivor. And uh, their closer, Kenley Jansen, had already fought COVID earlier this year, and he has a heart condition. Uh, they're, and if, at first, their, like, team operations guy or whatever at first said, like, oh, I didn't know he was back on the field. They're literally sitting next to each other in the team picture. And the other thing that's kind of crazy to me is, like, okay, you're going to like, I'm going to stipulate you're making the stupid decision of having him be out there and in the photo. Why isn't he in, like, a straight-up hazmat suit? <laughs> right? Because, okay. honestly, if he was in, like, some big old suit, honestly, the players would probably make, like, a joke about it or something. Yeah. But it would be so obvious that, like, they had taken every precaution that I think a lot of people would have been willing to be like, okay, so the transmission chances of that are, like almost no okay fine yeah and it'd make for a funny team picture and then when you look back on it it's like oh huh 2020 remember that craziness instead like who freaking cares that the Dodgers finally won a world series and Clayton Kershaw finally gets his ring that he's deserved now it's like well they all look awful because half of them aren't wearing masks they all clearly know Turner has tested positive because let's pretend that no one told the rest of the team that that's why he was pulled. Then that's, that's a horrible thing for the, for the team officials who knew to let happen. But I think by then a lot of the players were confused as to why he was pulled. And then they were told. So it's, it's a bad look all around. And I think it's almost worse that Turner had tweeted like, thanks for the well wishes, not feeling any symptoms. And then moments later, he's on the field. It's like you went super selfish. And because you don't feel bad, you were like, I want to celebrate. Let's celebrate. I earned this, which he did. And I feel bad for him that he didn't get to be on the field right when they won. But dude, like we've all had to make sacrifices. And I'm sorry you don't get to celebrate in the moment. But like, that's just that's just what's gonna happen to keep everyone safe. It's literally well, putting lives at risk. And okay, even if you don't care one iota about humanity, the whole story is now Justin Turner on the field celebrating instead of this amazing thing about not only like Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers and all of that, but it's like 
the ultimate, like, well, not quite the ultimate because it wasn't against the Astros. Right. But, like, that would have been a, like, the thing would have been yeah. like, and, and they already are getting some questions about it of, like, isn't it easier to win a World Series when the other team doesn't know when pitches are coming, stuff like that. Yeah. That would be the whole story. And how awesome is that? Exactly. And instead, we've got, yeah, like, so did you get COVID from your teammate while you were celebrating? Is the question. Yeah. So, uh, there were two articles on The Athletic about it initially. Uh, Ken Rosenthal's, like, very initial, I think it was, like, a couple hours after uh, it happened. And then I think it was Jason Stark, don't quote me on this, talked with an epidemiologist about this and, like, asked all the questions. And at first I was kind of, like, I don't really know about this there I don't remember what it was but there was something that the epidemiologist said I was kind of like I don't want any excuses here it was more along the lines of like everyone's had to make sacrifices like pushing off weddings and stuff but at but like at the time of people pushing off weddings it's months in advance it's not in the moment you're not like it almost excused him in a a way of like he was like he was caught in the moment yes yeah, more of like a psychological, well, it was just in the moment and he had to go. And part of me could understand that if he was in the dugout when it happened or he was down in the clubhouse when it happened and no one came between him and the field and going out there and celebrating. But from the reports, there were MLB officials, there were Dodgers officials that were like, no, dude, you can't go out there. And he just blatantly ignored them. I even read somewhere that some Dodger officials were kind of like on his side and like, just let him go out there and celebrate, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's the thing is the Dodger officials and stuff. You cannot tell me that everyone in the MLB and the Dodgers were like super committed to him not being out on the field because honestly, you could just say, listen, this is our, like, it's property of the MLB. If you go out there, we'll straight have police arrest you. Yeah. And there were a lot, I know there were a lot of people like comparing it to, I think it was an NBA player who some, he did something to break technically their COVID rules, but it was, it was different from testing like positive and then going out in the field. And he was basically told to leave the bubble or something. I didn't follow the NBA. I read this tweet like a week ago, so I don't quite remember it all, but it was something along those lines where it was like MLB and NBA bubble are two entirely different things. And it's not even a bubble. MLB was not a bubble. And I'm so tired of saying it, but it wasn't a bubble because that was also the whole thing I saw was like, how did they get COVID in the bubble? I'm like, well, it wasn't a bubble because there was no quarantine period before Uh, the new epidemic of like the the modern age is like when you don't like what a word means when you don't want to actually have just completely redefine it and make it something different when a word has the connotation that you either like or don't like but you just completely change the definition and it's like what like a bubble has a very definitive meaning and they did nothing really resembling a bubble because the, the only thing that they did that came close to a bubble is players went straight from hotel to ballpark and that was it and they weren't allowed to go anywhere else. However, there was no quarantine period before players came into the quote-unquote bubble. The Dodgers didn't only play at the ball the Rangers ballpark. They Their first series was at Do- Dodgers ballpark. Tampa played... Uh, I think they played at their own ballpark to begin with, if I remember the wild card mm-hmm. series. And then they played in San Diego and then the Rangers ballpark. Granted, theirs was more of a bubble because they didn't have fans for any of that until the World Series. And then the Dodgers played two series in which they had fans. One went seven games, one went six games. So I don't know where they think the bubble let allows for fans to come in there who haven't been tested. And yes, they're wearing masks, but... I mean, they the come in contact with a bubble with... is there's a barrier. Exactly. Exactly. No one gets in or out of the bubble. And you had constant in and out of the bubble. Because also, like NHL bubble and NBA bubble, media was also in that bubble. And they, the MLB or the NHL really made it clear because there was, so there was media who was in the bubble who had to quarantine, but then they got like more access and all of that. And then there was what they called a quasi bubble where the media, certain very few media didn't quarantine. I think they had to get 
like frequent testing but then they were like high up and off yeah. on their own they had their own entrance and everything and no one who came in contact with the media came in contact with the players and so it's like they still preserved the bubble right and I will say like the beat writers covering the games the freaking press box in that new stadium is god awful high I don't know why it's so high that media members literally have to use binoculars in certain cases um and they 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 weren't allowed in the clubhouse and I'm pretty sure they still did the press conferences over zoom from what I could tell however you had like national media like Ken Rosenthal and um on the field and granted they did him six feet away when possible but he's still on the field and if no one else is wearing a mask and he's wearing a mask that's still not enough of like a defense between the the two people and I saw a lot of people like, well, they couldn't order food and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but fans, you're not getting the point of like people were still coming in and out of the bubble. Therefore, it's not a bubble. I just, between everything that happened with the Marlins and the Cardinals, I just, I don't understand how they weren't stricter about things. Because like, was exactly. the 10,000 fans really worth it? No. Like they didn't make that much money off of 10,000 fans. And they, I also saw that it was like super low viewership. So, which I kind of get because like, I don't know. I mean, it was a fun world series, I guess. But at the same time, if you're kind of like me, like, yeah, it's fun to watch baseball no matter what, who wins. But at the same time, there were times where I'm like, I don't care who wins. So I'm going to go watch something else. It is interesting. A lot of sports have had viewership struggles. And it, it was a little surprising because everyone's like, there's going to be this huge desire mm-hmm. and there is, but the thing that kind of counterbalances that is all of the sports are happening at the same time, which yeah. usually isn't a problem that's like sports usually have a couple other things. There's like a little bit of crisscross, but like MLB, when it crisscrosses with the NBA and the NHL is like the worst time for the MLB. And so they don't yeah. really care that they lose viewership then. And then same with on the other end, when the MLB is having their world series, that's like the very beginning of NHL and NBA. And so yeah. no one really cares about that. And football it kind of is so infrequent that like they can lose one day a week to football. And so there's, there's all of these things that like counterbalance it, but now it's like everything is getting shoved into this compact time. Cause like, if you remember when, we were still in the height of lockdown. They had the like a uh, golf thing with mm-hmm. it was Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. and that got crazy viewership because there was literally nothing else to watch. So of course, people want that. But when there's so many other things, like you kind of fracture your viewership a bit. And part of me also wonders because I know when the season first started. I had conversations with friends who were like, watching baseball isn't much of an escape during a pandemic like NHL and NBA because you know NHL and NBA is doing it the safest possible way, whereas MLB doesn't really seem to have the same precaution level as all the other sports. So it feels kind of like you're waiting for someone to get COVID, which is essentially what happened in the season is you were waiting for which team is going to get COVID now. Uh, and they went so long without getting it. It is a wonder how Justin Turner managed to get it. But at the same time, I'm so curious to to know exactly what MLB qualified as a bubble because I feel like we never quite got the specifications of who is and isn't in the hotel. All I ever saw was players can only go from hotel to ballpark but what if they come in? Cause those, from my understanding, I haven't been down there since the new ballpark has been built. I don't believe they're connected. So I don't really know how you would necessarily, unless you rope things off, how they're getting from the ballpark to the hotel without possible fan interaction. Like, I feel like you could still have some of that. I would assume they, it's a team like the, they're close enough you don't need a bus, so I'm assuming they're walking from the hotel because it's literally, as far as I, my understanding is, it's like a little courtyard, essentially. Well, not little, but it's like a courtyard area between the two. So I don't exactly know how they were getting from one to the other, but I feel like even in that short distance, it'd be relatively easy to come in contact with someone who's 
not in the bubble. So I just don't, I, it's not a bubble. It's not a bubble. <laughs> I am, I'm really curious. So this is kind of a random aside, but it kind of got me thinking about this with the bubble and everything. So I read a book a while ago about how like the mb3 and downloading music and how that transformed the music industry mm-hmm. and one of the things they pointed out was because even though they do streaming now the money they make from streaming is just a fraction of what they used to make from cds and so they've really focused a lot on tours mm-hmm. on creating really amazing experiences that they can charge a lot of money and they do make a lot of money from that Well, obviously, COVID completely interrupted that. And I think we're seeing that in a lot of the entertainment spheres, which sports is entertainment, Mm -hmm. is that the digital kind of revolution has transformed people's preferences and how people consume all of that content to where like ESPN at at one time was so big, but because of the immediacy of Twitter, a lot of like sports center stuff just doesn't have the appeal it once did. Mm -hmm. And so but then now a lot of the live in-person stuff, which will always have an appeal because live is more instantaneous than even the best social media ever. Um, but with all of the restrictions and we don't know how long they're going to be, it's kind of going to be really interesting. And you can see a lot of entertainment spheres having to try to figure out how to make money, how to have a product that brings people in that still conforms it's, it's just a really I think it's gonna be a really interesting and transformative yeah. time for a lot of entertainment industries yeah for sure um that's all I have for the world series part of MLB next is like much quicker rants because uh, it's just li- little news things here and there uh first of all today which is Saturday Halloween uh MLB officially postponed the upcoming owners meeting, which takes place middle of November, which was going to take place in Arlington, and the winter meetings, which were going to take place at the beginning of December in Dallas. Uh, they're postponed. It's, the tweet read kind of weird because it says MLB has officially postponed upcoming owners meetings and winter meetings as in-person events. So both meetings are now going to be remote as necessary, which it's like, as necessary they are necessary so I don't know why they had to include that but um not really sure how that's gonna work because it's not like fans are ever get to see the actual meetings themselves so it's basically just gonna happen how I assume all all owners and winter meetings happen as normal they're just not gonna be in the same room so I feel like it doesn't really affect what fans find out it just really only affects the owners and the GMs and stuff. Uh, unless you were like super excited to be living in North Texas and you really wanted to see like the new Mets owners, I guess. I don't, those don't really appeal to me. I just watch MLB Network and they tell me what happened to them and then we're done. Um, the other two big news is the White Sox have a new manager and so do the Detroit Tigers so the White Sox hired Tony La Russa who hasn't been a manager since he managed the 2011 Cardinals which is the team we don't acknowledge ever um he's been in the front office of multiple different teams since so this is the first time he's managing in like I guess that's 10 years um which I kind of found surprising because I thought he was just like done managing but whatever there was, I saw on Twitter right before we recorded that apparently the White Sox were also interested in AJ Hinch to the point where I guess their creative content person thought he was going to be the manager because in the email that they sent out to White Sox fans about their new manager, they had the picture of Tony Larusa and his name, but the signature next to the White Sox was AJ Hinch's Hinch signature. So they had to like, a couple hours later, I guess, after they realized it, had to go change it to Tony LaRusso's signature, which I found very hilarious. That seems like more of a Mets thing than a White Sox thing, uh, but hilarious nonetheless. And then most recently, the Tigers decided to hire AJ Hinch as his, their new manager, which I think I said in multiple episodes that I wouldn't be surprised if it was kind of an under-the-radar team to hire him rather than like a big-name front of the 
uh, like postseason contention kind of team. So it's kind of not surprising that the Tigers would do it. It's still stupid, I think, um, because technically he had what an eighth, an eight month suspension, half of which was during COVID and there was no baseball anyway. So I don't know why that should count, but whatever. No one asked me. The Athletic had an article. What was it? Title. Let me find it. Um, I haven't re- read the whole thing because it was super long, but it is called AJ Hinch and Alex Cora could manage again soon. Is baseball ready for that? It was by Andy McCullough, Brittany. Oh, I'm going to butcher these names. Brittany Girioli and Mark Craig. Let's just pretend I said uh, Brittany's last name right. And they kind of talked to a lot of uh, players, owners, front office people, all anonymously. And I took out a quote from one player because I thought it was interesting. He said, I remember reading that and being like, I can't believe that they would even interview them. This is when uh, the Tigers, I believe GM said, we would consider hiring AJ Hinch. We want like a someone who has current World Series experience. And it's like, well, the only available person is AJ Hinch. And the player went on to say, it just seemed early. It seemed really fast. And to me, it sends a tough signal or maybe a bad signal saying that they served their time and now we're just going to hire them, which I agree. Like, he is part of a huge cheating scandal. I refuse to believe his whole, I tried to break two computer screens and told them not to do it, but they did it anyway. Like, first of all, why would you want that kind of manager to begin with who clearly can't get a hold of a team? regardless of if he did or did not break a computer screen. Like, why would you want a manager who literally just admitted, well, the, t- the players just did it anyway. They didn't listen to me and they just went around me and they just continued to do it. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with this anonymous player. It seems way too soon. Like we're not even at a year of when the news broke that they were being investigated. Like that didn't really happen until December. It's Halloween. Like, like why not wait until I don't know February when it's been exactly a year since this like what's the rush a in hiring him as your manager and b if you're gonna hire him why not just wait until February like spring training is clearly not gonna happen as early as it normally does so why not just wait a bit like what's the rush and I just what I, and I just feel like even if I was a player, like, would I want to trust him as my manager? Well, and especially with how the like players move around, how like I mean, he's gonna have players pretty soon that he screwed over in some form or another, and that's just yeah. really like I I don't know that I could play like that would really bother me. And he's staying in the AL, which means he's. I get he's not a player, he's a manager, but he's going to be facing a lot of teams and players who are also just as pissed off at him about the Houston cheating scandal as they are the Houston players. So I almost wonder, are any of the poor Detroit players who had nothing to do with it, are they going to get some kind of retaliation just because A.J. Hinch is their manager? Like, I don't know, because there is a way that, like, other teams could potentially sabotage the Tigers – as far as like payback just to get to Hinch because how else would you, I don't know. I'm just like talking as my brain comes up with things and I'm not trying to say like the Yankees should go to Detroit and just hit all of the Detroit players to get back at the manager. But I just feel like there is still a way in which players are going to be mad at him as well. Yeah. It's just, it also is the thing, and this is like a very NHL thing, you see when it's like, oh, our man, our coach or GM or someone got fired. Like, let's get someone new and interesting. Or let's just hire the same person. But like, right. like it's, you just get a revolving door of people like, okay, how many teams does Dusty Baker actually going to manage for? <laughs> like, how many are we going for now? And it's but just also- like... Same with the Tigers. Recently in the last, we'll say, 10 years, A.J. Hinch, if I'm counting right, is their fourth different manager. And and that, even in the last, like, we'll say five years, I think he's their third. Because uh, Gardenhire 
wait, now I feel like I'm getting White Sox and Tigers up, mixed up. Was Garden Hire Tigers? I don't know. Either way, I know they've had three in the last, now I think three years because three or four, four years. Sorry, I'm now getting confused because of the shortened season. Um, because they had, I blanked on his name, but he was the manager for Tigers for a couple years. And then he managed the Angels for one year before their current manager. So yeah, th- I think it's now three managers in the last three years for the Tigers. And they chose the cheating one. Of course. Have fun. <laughs> Do you want to go on to the NHL now? Yes. From even more ranting. <laughs> I guess we'll start with the stuff that's a little less serious. Still annoying, but in different ways. (laughs) Rick Bonus is named the Stars head coach. Morgan is sitting over here very thrilled by this development. Not surprised. Not surprised, but now it's just official that he's no longer the interim head coach and he's the actual head coach. So the question is, how many minutes will Dennis Gurionov actually play? (laughs) Oh my God. Well, now, like, he's not a new kid, so he'll get more time because he's experienced now. Hopefully, that's his argument. But even then, it's probably like five extra minutes. If that. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, I think no one was really surprised by it. But it is, it does kind of suck because there were some good coaches out there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty bitter about it because it almost feels like, well, they didn't even bother to try and find someone new, which I get because he did take them all the way to the Stanley Cup, blah, blah, blah. But And looking at it from their perspective, he took them to the Stanley Cup final. If they hired a new coach, chances are they would come in and they wouldn't get to the Stanley Cup final because not many, only two teams do. And then everyone would be like, oh, my God, Rick Bonus, Why didn't we yeah. do blah, 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 blah? And it would be this whole thing. Oh, there was – stars news that I didn't put on the the show notes uh that I wanted to bring up to you because I don't know anything about it uh the stars I I don't know if they signed or re-signed however it works Honka oh yeah Julius Honka and apparently that's like a big deal at least in stars fandom and I don't know what it means so basically there's that it's actually really interesting this year because there were two fins Julius Honka was one and then um oh what's his name um he plays for the the oiler oilers i'll get his name um but they were both finished draft picks who were pretty uh well uh touted draft picks Mm -hmm. uh and but however they just didn't oh yes he pulled yes the pulled Finnish names are always fun (laughs) but they're both really pretty high draft picks had a lot of hype didn't quite play up to their potential for a myriad of reasons you can say it's the team's fault it's the player's fault the answer is probably yes to all of that and then they both were unhappy and wanted to be traded and both ended up not being traded because the teams I think Dallas and Edmonton were both opening to open to trading them however they're not just going to throw them away because they're like mm-hmm. your, your your values sunk. So we're not just going to like throw you to a team for like a seventh round pick and then have that you do amazing for them. Like that's not how this works. We still own your rights. And so both of those players played in Finland last year and then Puliyarvi signed with the Oilers this year. And that was not as surprising because so he, he, his whole development had gotten botched and a lot of that was on the Oilers and all of that. But that was Peter Shirelli's Oilers. Peter Shirelli gets fired. Ken Holland gets brought in. He tries to negotiate with Pugliarvi. He's like, nope, I just want a new start. It's like, well, you're not getting that because no one will give us what we want. And so then a year goes by and it's like, okay, we can bury the hatchet. It's a new, new manager, new general manager. And so he signs. Honka, I don't know exactly went into his decision to resign um and why he he was convinced or whatever maybe the success that Dallas had maybe the team makeup maybe it's just the fact that European leagues are getting squeezed a bit because of COVID and so the money wasn't quite there who knows but he's back too so it's two big Finnish players are now going to actually be on NHL teams that had their rights 
Because I was like, I honestly couldn't tell if um, all the Star Wars fans I follow were mad about it because it kind of seemed that way. And I was like, I don't even know who this guy is because he didn't play last season. And for some reason, I don't even remember him from the first season I watched. So, And it's it's like, it's hard to know whether to be mad or not. Yeah. Because it's just hard to know what it's going to be like. But it's kind of, I guess, a wait and see kind of thing. Um. The other stars news I wanted to talk about, uh, the alternate jersey that got revealed. Um, so I thought it was interesting. I was listening to the Steve Jangle podcast. They are not fans of the alternate <laughs> jersey. However, they were talking about the worst jersey, alternate jerseys of all time and like the worst jerseys of all time. Mm-hmm. And I did figure, find out, I did not know this. This is something I learned. The stars do in fact have a worse alternate jersey than this one. Is it the motorist one? The motorist one is terrible. <laughs> is absolutely horrid so it's like a it's one you love to hate like it's it's got <laughs> so bad, like it's lore yeah that's all like people actually legitimately want it back because it's so bad <laughs> it's like there's a Bruins one where it looks like a bear taking a dump in the woods <laughs> or like poo it looks like poo taking a dump in the woods a little uh-huh. bit and that is so bad that people kind of want it yeah Maybe every team should do that. Have like a week where you bring back the worst jersey each team has just for the fun of it. Yeah, you have to have like really bad ones though. Because like, I don't know if the Penguins have one that's sufficiently. Okay. You could make a bad one. For yeah. <laughs> the the other one they mentioned that I did want to shout out, uh, the Los Angeles Kings have one that looks like it's a commercial for Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> so there's some really deliciously horrid jerseys that are kind of fun to look at um so yeah that that was interesting I I don't particularly care either way about the stars alternate jersey it's not going to go down as like the most amazing ever it's not going to go down as the worst ever in my mind it's just kind of there um I think I like it just because if we remember last week my preemptive rant was I thought it was going to be a skyline jersey so this is actually better than a skyline jersey but it's still not what I wanted. So I'm kind of in that in They lowered your expectations enough so you were pleasantly surprised. <laughs> exactly. Because even I think it was Sean Shapiro who was like, people are going to either love it or hate it. I'm like, but I'm in the middle. So, because I could, I could love it, but I could also see myself hating it. Like, it's just interesting. Um, the other thing we have on here to talk about is something I still hate, which is the name reverse <laughs> retro. All it means is away jerseys that they're going to wear retro away jerseys that they'll wear at home. But reverse retro sounds like you're going to wear like robot jerseys. Sounds yeah. like futuristic, a bad way to say futuristic. Still, they need to come up with a better name. It sucks. Yeah. So apparently in some, I don't know if it was when the stars emailed like their team store about jerseys or vice versa somehow it accidentally got leaked that the Dallas Stars had plans for a reverse retro jersey when they announced the alternate jersey um and still every I'm like you when I see the reverse retro my mind is like you meant futuristic jersey is that what you meant which it's how I'm just gonna go with it for now until I actually see what they're talking about because it doesn't make sense just call it a retro home jersey or something yeah like you can just call it retro and the fact that it's white won't throw people off that much they'll figure it out because I'm still trying to like process in my brain okay the home team doesn't wear white that's the opposite of baseball and basketball yeah but it doesn't confuse me too terribly much if they were to wear white at home like I wouldn't be like oh my god are they at home or away my whole thing is as long as the teams one is wearing white and the other isn't it works if both teams are wearing white (laughs) that gets a little confusing exactly. or like when they did the um the stadium series came today with this year with Colorado and LA mm-hmm. and it was like black and white and it was really hard to tell the team's colors yeah it's like you got to do something a little more distinctive than that because otherwise yeah. I don't really know who you are but beyond that I'm not too picky yeah so with a like less serious topic yeah. out of the way Mitchell Miller uh the coyotes i did not even know this was a thing i think they invented something to try to escape the trouble that they were facing um have uh renounced his rights it sounded like a royal thing it did i've renounced 
<laughs> okay. That's all that means. But I don't know if they can actually do that. I don't know if that means he's a free agent and is like free to sign with any team, but no team would sign him. So it doesn't really matter. Or if they still technically hold his rights, but are just never going to sign him. I don't know what it means. But then in addition to that, um, North Dakota uh, said he is no longer a part of their hockey team. And here's the thing. Are those decisions the right decisions? Yes. Were they reached for the right reasons? No, of course not. Like, they, they only did that because the public was upset. It's not because they magically learned something they didn't know. And honestly, if that's the case, if the Coyotes were led to believe that he was like some kind of reformed person and they didn't bother to ask anyone around the Myers Crothers family about what was happening, like, do you want, do you have anything to say? Do you have any input in this? We value what you would have to say. If they didn't even ask any questions of anyone besides the guy, then that's, that's so s- stupidly incompetent. Like you can't claim you cared at all. Right. If, if, if you didn't do any research beyond a note he gave you, it's, it, 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 it I mean, it's, it was almost like they were forced. It's, it's, it's the equivalent of what Mitchell Miller did when he like pled guilty. And the, the judge said, I don't, I think you feel bad that you got caught and have to do all of this exactly. stuff, but you're not actually sorry. And yeah. I think that's where we're at with these NHL teams. I don't know that they're actually sorry. And so, sorry, can't really I, like applaud anything here. Yeah. And someone tweeted, and I don't know, he, he's a radio host. I don't know where or whatever, um, if he normally covers hockey or not, but in his tweet, he said, bravo to an organization in hockey world, taking a legit stand against this type of behavior. I'm like, it's not a legit stand. If it was a legit stand. They never would have drafted him in the first place. I want, I want like all of the, cause there are many, many teams who, like they said, he's a second round talent. Like they said, most teams did not have him on their board that's taking a legit stand yeah but it's taking a legit stand in a way that's not very public so you're not going to know like oh random team all of these 15 random teams didn't have them on their list yeah you're not going to know that because they just didn't do something and they didn't announce we're not going to draft this kid they just didn't do it yeah they did the right thing because it was the right thing right because I think it was like 10 teams had him on his on their do not draft List. the coyotes were one of them at like when john chaka was still their gm uh-huh. they're just a cluster of an organization <laughs> i'm really sorry are. they had john chaka he he's, he's had some good some bad whatever he had them on like the we are not drafting him he gets fired they bring in a st louis blues guy to be their gm but on the condition the blues the only reason the blues relinquished was like he can't help with your draft because he's done scouting for our draft. And that's like, he can't talk to you at all about your draft, which makes sense. I get that. And so allegedly this guy wasn't involved at all. So it's like, well, who was making the decision? (laughs) Because someone overrode the outgoing GM who like made a pretty good decision. And then like the underlings are like, well, no boss here. I guess we'll just do this. (laughs) Like, I don't get that. So. Also, on the renounce the rights, immediately my brain went to uh, the office episode where Michael Scott is like comes in and goes, I'm declaring bankruptcy. And then they go and they're like, you can't just say you're bankrupt. He goes, I didn't say it. I declared it. That's what this whole thing feels like. I renounce the rights. But what does that mean? Like, I mean, I, I really expected like kind of a la like royal thing to have like some printed scroll with like <laughs> scripty language and someone signing it or something. Like, yeah, this is so stupid. <laughs> it's like they had to, they were like, we need to do something formal so that people know we're not instead of just not signing him, we need to make it official. What can we say? Renounce. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that was that was particularly stupid um the other thing things I wanted to talk about there were some really interesting mental health articles that came out this week dealing with hockey first of all Colin Wilson who's an unrestricted free agent but recently played for I think last year played for the Colorado Avalanche um wrote a really personal story for the Players Tribune about his battle with OCD and it was really interesting and I think it was a great 
endorsement of the the NHL program because they were saying that his GM and like people involved in he was drafted by Nashville and his GM and stuff had as part of his medical evaluation asked for a psych evaluation because they noticed some things that kind of were like oh we like wanted to make sure he was okay and he was talking about always having to be last on a plane and then like always picking up all of the trash in like a, a concourse like he had this very specific plane ritual because mm-hmm. he was nervous flying and all of this kind of stuff and they just it was a little beyond just the normal flight nerves some people have and so they just wanted it checked out and the team person was like yeah I think he has OCD and so they tried to help him then but a really big thing about mental illness is you're not going to be able to help someone until they're really fully ready yeah. to embrace the idea of treatment and and so he kind of struggled along a little bit but then he did eventually um, contact uh the NHL Players Assistance Program, which is amazing and has done great things for addiction and a whole lot of other things dealing with mental health. And they got him an expert in, they had an expert like on their staff in OCD who reached out and he he was talking about how helpful it was that the person could kind of like tell him, like tell Colin about himself. Yeah. Like, oh, you want to do this? Like you feel like this. And it, it just like to understand that, not that it's normal, but that like, it's normal for this condition mm-hmm. and yeah. that kind of thing. So it was really interesting to hear about his battles with that. And I think also like, there's some really interesting insights in the end where he's like, I'm always going to have these certain things. And like, there might, I might always need to do it at some point, but it's just about having it more under control, recognizing things and all of that. And I think that's a really great and realistic outlook. And mm-hmm. I also thought it was great to have a story about a very different kind of mental illness that uh, is talked about a lot because NHL has a lot with like depression anxiety and addiction and so to have this is like a a good another way to reach out to that community and I thought it was really good so that I found really compelling so yeah I'm with you I kind of like that you hear about something different because like you said there is a lot of talk about anxiety and mental health in general but I think also with when we say like talking about mental health I think most people do just think like anxiety and depression so hearing about another one that's not really talked about as much is important yeah and I will say I really give uh kudos to Robin Letter who has kind of become the like de facto NHL player spokesperson for mental illness and mental health he did retweet this and said proud of you so I thought that was cool yeah um and then the other one I wanted to talk about which was interesting and infuriating in a lot of things is Emily Kaplan's article about a young teenager from Chicago named uh Morgan Urso so Morgan um played and had always had a desire to play club hockey for team Illinois which is like the best club hockey team in Illinois and she got on that and then she started experiencing and it was unrelated but just kind of developed an onset of uh, mental health struggles depression and anxiety specifically and she had seen Robin Leonard's story and seen other stories and she's like okay I got a treatment plan my doctor agrees like it's good for me to play hockey because like exercise is a very good natural remedy to some of the Mm -hmm. symptoms of depression and anxiety and so but they wanted to be honest with the coach and all of that and so the parent her mother and her went to the coach and said this is the deal the coach initially says oh yeah like we'll we'll work that that makes sense well then there's a complete change of of heart and they're like what's going on the coach had gone to the board and the board was like no we can't blah 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 and so it was like she can't play she can't be a part of the team and all of this and they ended up refunding her and I'm going to look it up it was a very specific amount basically because you know club sports Mm -hmm. um there's a very specific like you have to pay for them and it's pretty expensive and so they prorated the like time lost and refunded her and it was $1,209.87 and so the parents feeling horrible for their daughter said you know we paid that money but that's for you like that was always going to be for you you can do what you want with it and she's like well I don't just want money like which is really pretty advanced for a teenager it's like that's a lot of money $1,200 is not nothing to a teenager especially yeah and but she's like I don't want 
money because I was kicked to the curb because of a mental illness. So she wanted to donate to the charity that Robin Leonard had partnered with, which is called Same Here. It's a really great organization. You should check them out on Twitter. And so she donated it. Well, I kind of was looking at it and I kind of deduced what happened. It piqued their interest when they saw the donation come in. And so they reached out and asked. And what I think they were asking is, is this the date? Because 120987 is like a birth date. So it's like, is this a date significant to someone who like passed because of suicide? Or mm-hmm. is this like some other significant date so we can honor that in some yeah, way? Because it's I a very specific amount to donate. Specific amount. It kind of yeah. piqued their interest. And so they explained what it was. And um, then, of course, so Robin Leonard commented on it and reached out. But then there's also um, this really interesting player. Um, I gotta find it. I'll find it. <laughs> but there was a player who was playing in Europe who had very similar struggles. Oh, Rob Schremp is his name. And um, he had experienced similar things. Um, he actually quoted in this article, it was said to me, we won't side Rob back because of his quote issue. And so he had experienced similar things. And so he yeah. is affiliated with that organization and they connected the two of them who are like really good friends now and talk all the time. And so through this, she's gotten a real big support system. It doesn't change the fact that team Illinois is actually a horrible organization. This is the same organization that left a coach who abused young boys in place for decades. There is a story about it. It is out there. That's no problem. A coach who is a danger to his players is no problem but, but forbid you have anxiety and depression later and, and, and be responsible about it disclose it have a treatment plan being very responsible about it that's the danger but someone who's an actual danger is apparently not a danger oh my god but so then, you can like, see- the thing i go to is in like okay so now if another player on the team finds out they have anxiety and depression they're not going to want to say anything no. because they don't want to get kicked off and then you also, like, also let's say another player got it, too, or I didn't want to make it sound like you contract anxiety or depression, but like, let's say someone else realizes that they kind of like self-diagnose themselves. They're like, okay, well, I know exercise and all of that helps with it. Like, what if hockey becomes their only way to cope with it? Like, you kick them off too, and then what? Like, they're almost lucky that she had other ways to cope rather than just hockey, because it could have been an entirely different story if she didn't. Well, and so here's the thing, I think, with, I think with both of these, it's like, okay, the two stories combined, something should happen to Team Illinois. Yeah. Because it's, it's not quite the same, but there's a level of, like, USA Gymnastics incompetence. Mm-hmm. Of- they need to just scrap everyone involved, maybe even rebrand completely new name, completely new organization, because this, like, it's not working. There's some very fundamental problems. And then beyond that, USA Hockey, because this is what Canada has done, where they have, uh, like, safe sport guidelines, and they have, mm-hmm. like, um, they have recommended, like, ages of doing things because they got they got really frustrated with young players doing like not actually playing games like doing skill development it's like we're making these players into robots and they're hating it because they're we're forcing yeah. them to do like boring stuff at five years old and hockey should be fun yeah and so they started saying like these are the age appropriate things we say you have to do if you want to be affiliated with team canada which like you kind of have to be to be a legitimate organization usa hockey needs to step in here all yeah. like so many people need to be involved and be like this cannot stand because it it really like Chicago is one of the big meccas of hockey in the U.S. Mm -hmm. like Chicago Boston Minnesota are probably the three biggest and so one of your biggest places for talent and just with the growth of the sport you can't have this right so that was fun (laughs) With that, I mean, I almost feel weird going to rant and rave because we ranted a lot, but um, I guess I can go first if that's okay. Okay. Um, So I have a really weird rant. It's not um, 
sports related, which seems to be my theme of late, but it is Halloween related. I know this will be a little after Halloween, but it's today when we're recording this. And it's something that's always bothered me. And I don't really talk about religion a lot on the show or elsewhere because I don't like to be preachy or anything like that. I am Christian. That's the extent of what I'll say, just to make this point. I really need to have a conversation with some, some Christians in Halloween because it bothers me tremendously. I get that the origins of Halloween do not necessarily conform to biblical teachings. I understand that. I understand if you don't want your children to dress up as witches or ghosts, because technically those aren't biblically accurate. I get all of that. When you refuse to turn your light on and just like, nope, we're not doing this. Like we're not participating in Halloween. You are emphatically going against what the Bible says, like emphatically, because it's all about evangelizing and like reaching out to your community and being a part of your community and I've I've seen like some prominent religious singers make this point and I think it's such a great one like we're always trying to reach people we're always trying to be friends with people and like like kind of be Christ to the world is what the whole message is and on one time when people just willingly come to our doors we're like nope you can't come nope and so it just really bothers me. So I get this year with COVID's a little different. Maybe you have to do whatever. But just in general on Halloween, don't don't get all hoity-toity over something that if Jesus were here, he I'm like, I'm not gonna speak for Jesus because that's blasphemous, but like I can read the Bible and figure out that yeah. you're not like defaming God, you're not doing anything against God by ha- having your light on for Halloween. If anything, you are like reaching people, being nice to people, being involved in the community, all things Jesus did. So like, there's my religious rant for like the first for, and probably the only one for a while, but it's just always bothered me. Yeah. The only time we don't do candy is like, there was like 10 years where there were like no kids in our neighborhood. Yeah. I don't do candy because I live in a townhome community with a bunch of retired people. So we never yeah. get kids. I go over to my parents' house and I do candy. And like, if you're out of town, would put something on the porch or something and this year will be a little different but it's never because like oh this is this is anti-christian this right. is horrible demon like whatever <laughs> it's way different people yeah. come to your door dressed as like cheerleaders and like tv things and stuff like that like spongebob squarepants <laughs> like no it's not the same holiday when it's is when it starts come on yeah so that was my random um, rant. My rant is also kind of random. And it's mostly my rant because I don't really understand what they're doing. And it's been a long time since I've ranted about the Texas Rangers. So I figured let's bring that back. Um, this year they're having co-pitching coaches. And I don't understand it. It Because they, they fired their pitching coach. I think it was fired. I Or maybe it's contract right now. I don't know. Either way, they, they're not bringing back their former pitcher coach pitching coach and instead they I think hired a new one but then they're also making their bullpen coach their pitching coach and they're they're calling it co-pitching coaches but then and explained I'm like so it's just a pitching coach and a bullpen coach like normal like it just doesn't make any sense I don't get it because from my understanding their bullpen coach is that is now a co-pitching coach is still going to be in the bullpen so my rant is this just doesn't make any sense and I don't understand why they're doing it which is very rangers on brand yeah very on brand for them um so in 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 typical fashion for this episode I have kind of a ranty rave does that make sense (laughs) yes so I just want to okay by the time this airs we will be about 24-ish hours away from the end of political commercials Mm -hmm. and whichever side of the aisle you fall on whatever you believe in I think that is all something we can rejoice in yeah it is to the point now well first of all I live right on the border of two states and two states that have some contested elections like there's a contested congressional election in Nebraska that I can't vote in and so I'm getting all of these commercials for places I can't vote in And it's to the point where like both sides make each other out to be like these villainous monsters. And like they have the movie theater trailer voice guy voicing (laughs) these commercials. And I'm like, both of you are wrong because like the people who are running 
both of you are wrong. <laughs> like, and I, I keep telling my mom every time these commercials air, like, if I can just stipulate that they're all horrible people, can I opt out of all of these commercials? Because I'm right. more than willing to stipulate that. Yeah. Like, everyone sucks. Can I, can I stipulate that? And then you won't air these commercials for me anymore. But when this airs, we will be like 24 hours away from that, which I am so here for. Also, I wish you could like just opt out of them. Like I already voted. Opt me yeah, out of these. I already voted. Or for me, I can't vote for this person. <laughs> yeah. So why do I need to see this? The amount of ads I get on YouTube, on TV, everywhere for people I can't vote for. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> um, okay. So funnily enough, my rave is somewhat similar, at least on the election side of things. Uh, so like we said, when this comes out, there's like 24 hours until like, you know, hopefully it's all over. Um, and so like the last, I think a lot of us deal with like election anxiety. So yesterday I, to like combat my anxiety, cause like when you've already voted, it's like, okay, I've already voted. But then like, I don't know if anyone else feels this way but me I'm like okay what else can I do though because like there it still feels so far away and I've already done what I can so what do I do now so yesterday for four hours I did a text banking thing and and said because I was like I don't want to call I'm not good at talking to strangers even if it's on the phone so I did the text banking thing and it felt very productive and it's super easy. So highly recommend if anyone's feeling like anxious, but like wants to do something and you don't have to like personally talk to anyone. Um, and you can just, I found, I can't remember if I found it through votesaveamerica.com or I, you can even there just like Google, like vote texting things and you'll find one that's, it doesn't have to be in your state. You can do texting to like in battleground States, whatever. Uh, the one I did was super easy because literally you get a list of like 300 people. You don't even have to copy and paste the message. The message is already there. You hit send 300 times and then you might get like five responses. And even if just five responses out of the 300, like if you think about it, like let's say one of them is, yeah, I'm going to vote. And then also it had automated responses you can give to them. So you didn't even have to think about what to write to them. Uh, if that person tells like three other people to like make sure they voted, then it just snowballs in the best way. So it feels productive no matter how many people actually like respond to you, even if they just tell you to stop sending them messages, that's fine too. Uh, but like yesterday out of all the ones I sent, like someone who was deaf asked how they can vote. And so I got to help them vote. And then someone else didn't know where to vote. I got to help them. Like it feels productive, even if it's just two people. That's two more people who are going to vote. And I think that's like a thing with anxiety is having something productive mm-hmm. to do with it. And this is something that I've like learned over the years. It's like feelings are feelings. You can't endeavor to not feel things. One, that's not healthy. And two, it'll never happen. You'll just end yeah. up disappointed. It's what you do with them. Mm-hmm. And that's where like the progress and healing and all of that comes in. And so if you find productive ways of managing those feelings, that's like so good. Cause then instead yeah. of just sitting there feeling anxious and doing God knows what, yeah, like something productive came out of it. Also, I'm taking a Twitter break. So just take, just don't get on Twitter this week. Like that's also good for anxiety. And I think you had a very good point. There's a lot of shaming mm-hmm. and, and this is where I will say cancel culture is a thing stop canceling people for not posting about something within five minutes celebrity or otherwise no one is obligated to tweet tweet doesn't mean that they care or don't care like enough with that um people can take breaks from the news like the world will go on i have i have stopped watching news on tv i read stuff and that's it and i i control when i read it it's very yes. controlled intervals I try not to follow accounts or if I am following I mute accounts that tweet too much news stories because it's like I need to have control when I see it yeah and like and so I'm in a good headspace to understand and digest information of course you, you can't completely inflate yourself you shouldn't you need to know the news you need to know what's going on but, but don't doom scroll <laughs> yeah and you don't need to know what's going on literally the minute it happens right things will be like I've gone on cruises before pre-COVID 
and you literally can't find out anything for like a week and the world goes on yeah like it is totally like totally fine so definitely like take time for yourself for your mental health and don't be made to feel guilty for it either personally sometimes people will say things personally to make you feel guilty or sometimes you'll just see things that kind of call out people don't feel guilty this podcast doesn't want you to feel guilty yeah if that counts for anything (laughs) because I even like on Instagram I follow one journalist her name's Jessica Yellen if that I highly recommend following her and like for this week just get your information from her so then like you have one designated person you're getting your news from and it's not overwhelming and like I was she posted something about like if you get anxiety from news here's like a way to do it and like you said one of the ways was like set a time where like okay I'm gonna give myself like 30 minutes to go read some news articles from trusted sources and that's gonna be my news thing for the day and then I'm gonna go on with the rest of my day and that's fine like you don't need to check the news every hour you don't need to check it more than once a day if you don't want to also don't check it first thing in the morning and last thing at night because that'll that'll affect your day but also your anxiety before you go to sleep so like maybe like evening just get like all the important stuff for the day and then move on and I, also I, had to, I had to do that with COVID a lot because yeah it was like for a while there the local news and everything there was nothing to report on so it was like the same COVID stuff every yeah. day it was like five more people got diagnosed and this that and the other and it's like okay I have sympathy for this this is of course like the only story going on but there's only so much of this I can reasonably take. Exactly. And it's kind of the same still with COVID because numbers are spiking, but also with the election, like just know things are going to be crazy on Tuesday and you don't need to like latch onto the first thing that's reported because also things are changing so quickly. So maybe just check the news Wednesday morning. Like that might be best. Can I tell you? So in 2016, I for some reason had a friend over on election night Mm -hmm. this is the only time that worked with our schedules and I made dinner and we talked and it lasted a lot longer and by the time it was all it was like she went home um it it was like pretty sure that Donald Trump was gonna win and it was so much like I don't know how I would have handled it if I was watching every single update the whole time it was actually Cause, and they've kind of done that with, like, they've turned election nights into, like, a sporting event. Yeah. And so it was, like, it, it was it was oddly, like, and I stumbled into this thing because normally I'm the one sitting there watching everything. Mm-hmm. It was just oddly freeing to come back in and be like, okay, well, that's what happened now. Like, obviously had my emotions, had my whatever, <laughs> but to not have it all build up the whole night yeah, really made myself better. And it didn't really change anything about the world, but it made my life a little better, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, so I would I'd like like that's what I'm doing this year. I'm just not gonna really focus on it. I'm gonna try to just enjoy my night, and I'll I'll find out when it's like official. But in 2016, I was I just started uh, the journalism program at my university, and our assignment was to watch election news. Oh God, it was the worst. It was awful. I was like, of course, this is the year that I have to pay attention. And yeah, so I guess this is, we kind of morphed our rave into an ending of just take care of yourself. Yeah, truly. Like, truly. Like, obviously do your part in the world and that's all great, but taking care of yourself is actually helping the world, so. Yeah, vote and then, you know, just, you don't have to focus so hard on it. Yeah, so vote, take care of yourself, have a good week. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. (laughs) Have a good week. (laughs) See you guys.